Hey everyone, what's up? My name is Jeanette, and today I have a very special guest. I have Dr. Will Tuttle. So Will Tuttle is a best-selling author. He is the editor editor of Circles of Compassion. Uh, he's a longtime Buddhist and a former monk. And Will wrote one of the most important books, in my opinion, The World Peace Diet. The World Peace Diet. And he has been vegan for over 40 years since 1980. And we are going to talk to him a little bit. So first of all, thank you so much, Will, for joining me. How are you doing today? Great, Jeanette. I'm uh, doing wonderful. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Yes. So first of all, Will, I just want to know, can I please ask how old are you? Yeah, I was born in 1953. So that's uh, 69. Yeah, <laughs> the years fly by. Wow, you definitely, <laughs> you definitely don't look sixty nine. That's amazing. Wow. <clears throat> so I'm, yeah. So I'm wondering, like, okay, so you've been vegan for a while now, since nineteen eighty. Um, can you please share with us? So I, there's so many questions I have for you, but I want to know what are some of the negative side effects of eating animal byproducts and their body parts let's just talk about the physical negative side effects first of all right well I'm, that's a great question and i'm so glad that when i was in my 20s i became a vegetarian which is a you know a step in the right direction uh when i was i think tw my early 21 or something like that and then a few years later i became a vegan in 1980 so that's 42 years like you've been saying and i think the main uh benefits of moving to a plant-based way of eating and i think it's really besides the animal foods that are really harmful um i would say also non-organic is really uh, important so it's important to eat organic whole plant-based foods if we want to have uh, a healthy physical body and as far as the actual problems with these foods as you were asking I think probably dairy products are the most damaging, I would say, even more than the flesh of animals in terms of our physical health, because uh, we're really not designed for them at all. We're not little calves that put on 800 pounds in, in a year. And so as soon as we bring dairy into our body, we're, our body is pretty much having a hard time. And so most of the childhood problems can be traced to dairy. I myself had an appendicitis, for example. My brother was always having earaches, tonsillitis, all these different things, acne, di type 1 diabetes. I mean, really, the, it, it's just uh, an amazing uh, benefit for the medical pharmaceutical industry that people are eating dairy products. Really, the three things, I point this out in the World Peace Diet, that people think are the best. Well, I, I cut out red meat, but I'm just eating a little dairy, eggs, and fish, right? <laughs> Those are probably the three most detrimental foods to our physical bodies because they concentrate the most toxins. Uh, fish really concentrate a huge amount of toxins. Everything ends up in the water. So we have PCBs, dioxins, <clears throat> all kinds of chemical and herbicide and pesticide residues we have nuclear radiation now of course all of that ends up in the flesh of fish and then you know so eating fish and factory farmed fish are even worse because they're hyper confined in their own excrement they're given all kinds of antibiotics that's probably the most toxic thing you can eat but then fish is not only eaten by us directly which is very toxic but then they feed fish to cows to make them give more milk <clears throat> and to hens to make them give more eggs they found that if you boost the cholesterol 
uh, intake of these animals who would never be eating cholesterol in the wild normally, um, it, it, it forces them to overproduce milk and eggs, so it's profitable. So, so we're getting all the naturally occurring toxins in eggs and dairy, plus all of the stuff from the fish meal that they're eating and the other toxins that they're eating. And besides the fact that the, all, the, all the regulations for pesticide uh, levels for humans are about 100 times less than pesticide use for animals. So they can, they can really spray uh, fields of corn and soy that are fed to cows and pigs and chickens. And uh, really, it, 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 it's no problem. And so we're getting glyphosate residues, for example, if we eat a lot, if we're eating uh, animal-based foods. And glyphosate is a broad spectrum antibiotic, which really devastates our microbiome, the bacteria that live in our gut that really are essential for us to thrive and to be healthy and to digest our food, causing leaky gut, causing lots of physical problems. And the thing that we have to remember, uh, which we're not taught in our society, is that our mind and our body are not separate. And so as soon as we start harming our physical body with toxic chemicals, with glyphosate, uh, with also actually I would I have a whole chapter in the world peace diet called the metaphysics of food so we're not only eating physical toxins like pesticide herbicide and fungicide residues and all the other stuff that ends up in animal-based foods because they are higher on the food chain so there's more toxic load in in their flesh and secretions than you would ever get by just eating plants directly but there's also the hormones in the food and uh, there's, there's over 10,000 different drugs and hormones and antibiotics that have been approved to be used directly on these animals that are imprisoned or even I mean even in factory farms or in backyard operations some people say well I get my my eggs from a from a small farm you know it, it still could be, have all kinds of toxins there and the thing is even if they're organic and there's still naturally occurring toxins. So there's, for example, in dairy products, there's casein, which is the basic protein in dairy, which we don't have renin, which is the enzyme that little that calves naturally have to break down casein. We cannot break down casein very well. We don't have the enzyme for that. And so that's what really drives a lot of the autoimmune diseases that we have in our society and all kinds of problems. And uh, so there's these naturally occurring toxins in animal-based foods because we're not really designed for those. But then besides all those toxins, there's what I refer to as metaphysical toxins. <laughs> so we're eating terror and fear and despair and anxiety and rage and panic and you know all this where these animals are experiencing chronic and acute pain and chronic and acute fear their entire short lives before they're brutally killed. And so we're eating all that misery and violence. And there's a reality to that. And I think the fact that we don't think there's a reality to it shows how disconnected we actually are from reality. Uh, so that's the thing to understand is that as soon as we're eating animal-based foods, we're getting this whole load affecting our physical body. And then our physical body and our mental body are connected. And so one of the things that they found out, I'll just wrap this up here, is that um, the microbiome, which is this community of, of living beings, bacteria, and, and there's more of them than there are of us. In other words, there's, there's something, they estimate something like 
50 to 100 trillion bacteria and maybe three or four trillion human cells, right, in a typical body. So there's a lot more of them than there are of us in the sense uh, that they're a community and our health depends on them. And so we have this crazy idea of antibiotics and that somehow bacteria are dangerous and we got to kill them and get rid of them. And I mean, we depend on them for so many things and also viruses. I mean, there's something called the virome uh, and there's literally decillions of viruses. I mean, way beyond trillions, just huge numbers of viruses that are also absolutely necessary for us that we've been co-evolving with them for millions of years. So this whole idea of attacking viruses and attacking bacteria is guaranteed to make a lot of money for the pharmaceutical industry because it makes people sick. But the idea is that the microbiome is not only important for digesting our food, but also it's uh, there's a, a, ner a major nerve called the vagus nerve, which goes directly from our gut up to our brain. And it's really in many ways uh, responsible for the mood that we have, for the basic sense of well-being, of happiness, of goodwill, benevolence, joy and freedom and so forth. When, the, when they're happy, we're happy. <laughs> so the problem is, you know, they live, they really, they love to eat polypeptides, which are basically the, the, the foundational um, nutrients in plant-based foods. And so if we're eating meat, dairy, and eggs, they're not getting really what they need to be healthy and happy. And so the, the chronic depression, anxiety, frustration, and so forth that a lot of people are experiencing can be traced to many different things. But one of the things it can be traced to, I think, is the diet and eating animal-based foods, eating, even if we're eating plant-based foods. If you're eating glyphosate, if you're eating non-organic, because basically glyphosate on, over the last 10 years has taken over. They spray it everywhere. It's, a, it's the number one pesticide herbicide used in the world. And so we had to stop really eating at a lot of restaurants and places that were not organic just because we don't want to be eating glyphosate. We don't want to support that system and we don't want to destroy the healthy community inside of us. And so that's really an important point here is that in many ways, we human beings are under attack, just like the environment is under attack. Uh, we're spewing thousands of different herbicides and so forth into ecosystems. Birds and fish and insects are dying off. Well, we're also under attack. And so it's very important, Jeanette, I think it's great that you're uh, creating a forum for this to understand that and protect ourselves and protect our loved ones and uh, to really support uh, farmers who are building up the soil who are growing organically, who are growing plant-based foods, living foods, healthy foods. The best thing is grow it yourself if you can. If you can't, then support local farmers and farmers markets. Do the best you can to grow organically. Veganically is actually the best. <clears throat> and uh, the more we can do that, in other words, not use, uh, besides pesticides and herbicides, try not to use bone meal and blood meal and fish meal and manure and all that stuff. I mean, it, it definitely concentrates toxins too. So. Uh, the whole system is pretty uh, weighted towards toxicity because there's no money in healthy people, right? I mean, I'm, I'm here I am, 69 years old. I haven't been to a doctor really into a, or to a um, drugstore to get anything since I'm, I figured it out recently. It's, it, was 19, um, <clears throat> it was 1973 or something when I was in college. 
And so it's been almost 50 years and I've just have stayed out of the system. I hadn't, didn't have health insurance, didn't have anything, you know, it's just, and, I, and I'm not saying that to brag. It's nothing to be proud of. It's just the idea is that we can take responsibility for our own health. And that's a great thing to do. You save money, you're, and they say health is the greatest wealth. It really is. If you're healthy physically and mentally, then you can contribute to a healthy society. If we're not healthy physically and mentally, how are we going to contribute to a healthy society? We're sick. We don't have energy. We're upset. We're angry. Everybody else has to take care of us. I mean, no, it's not a way to live. We should not go along with the pharmaceutical narrative and the medical narrative that if we're not feeling well, we should go and, and get a pill. They're always toxic. There's nothing but things in those pills that attack what your body's trying to do. The essential wisdom of your body, they try to stop that. I mean, why do you want to do that? We're, we're trained to do this just be by an educational system that's paid for by the Rockefeller, basically, I mean, by the oil industry. I mean, this, this has been going on for, for, for over a century. So we have to do some research and realize that we're, we shouldn't be trusting um, the narratives that come out of the mainstream media. Or the, and, and it's not that they're bad people, that, or, but it's just to understand that the whole narrative has been controlled. So that's one of the great things, I think, about looking into this question that you're asking. What are the negative effects of animal agriculture and eating those foods? Because it goes, it opens up a, this whole vision of fields. I mean, we lived in an RV for 18 years traveling around the United States. And so everywhere you go in the United States, it's these gigantic fields of genetically engineered corn and soy and alfalfa. And only about 10% of that is for people. 90% is for these imprisoned animals you never see. They're stuck away in these stinking sheds by the thousands or the tens of thousands or, or in feedlots and they eat this stuff. And so this is a war against nature. Anything that's trying to live in a monocropped field gets killed. Anything that's not corn, if it's any other plant or any animal or any, any insect or any fungus, anything. And the earth is the opposite of that. The earth is always trying to create life and create a celebration and have things grow. And we have animal agriculture, which is trying to kill and destroy everything that's trying to live with, with toxic chemicals. And those residues end up in the food and the water and the air. So health is not just about healthy food. It's about healthy water, healthy breathing healthy emotions, healthy relationships. I mean, there's a lot to it, but food is really important too, because we are biochemical beings on one level and food is biochemical, it's biochemical substance. So it's important to have that as a foundation, but it's also important not to be just materialistic and, um, and to realize that we're spiritual beings also and our mind and mental and our mind and our emotions and our relationships are also very important in the whole thing, yeah. Wow. First of all, you answered so many questions that I was going to ask you. So like you're the best <laughs> guest ever. And I want to say, absolutely. You know, a patient cured is a patient lost. And the best way to change the world, like you said, Will, is to change ourselves and take responsibility for ourselves first and ourselves, you know? Right, and so, right. <laughs> And so, okay, my next question, it, thank you so much. Wow, that was just incredible. I, I, yeah, I really appreciate, I really appreciate everything you do. And I forgot to say that in the beginning. Thank you for what you do. So now my next question is, um, okay, why do you think some people go vegan immediately as soon as they see reality, as soon as they see a slaughterhouse video and some people don't? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, why do some people go vegan right away when they, they, they kind of get, get the message and they say, okay, that's it. And, and other, most people is this huge resistance. And I think the, uh, one of the reasons I wrote the World Peace Diet was to try to shed some light on that question because it's a very important question. And I think it has to do with maybe three main things. One is the, social indoctrination that we go through. So we're all born into a society. And as soon as we're born into whatever culture we're born into, we are like a little sponge and we soak up everything about that culture. Their language becomes my language. Their food becomes my food. Their attitudes become my attitudes. So we do that. We become our culture. The culture um, that we live in lives in us. And so my mother, my father, my teachers, my friends, my neighbors, my minister, the media, they're all eating animal food. So I do too. And so that's a wound. We have to understand that's a wound. It's, it, it's not a choice. No one says, I want to eat meat. I want to eat dairy. I want to eat eggs. No one chooses that. We only do it for one reason. When we go out into the world and we see people going to a store and paying for the flesh and secretions of tortured animals, there's no one doing that on a, on a free choice ever. They're doing it for one reason only, and that is they're following orders that were injected into them from infancy by benevolent people, right? people that wanted the best for them, wanted them to have plenty of calcium and plenty of protein. So we are deceived from infancy by well-meaning people who are also deceived. So it's important to understand that, that we're, it's a cultural phenomenon. Some people, I think, when... Uh, they, they, they're, they're raised in a way where they're taught in some way to question narratives, to question things. I was, I think that's one of the reasons I think I was able to change was my father, my father, a couple of interesting things. My father wanted to be a doctor. And so he uh, was a medic in World War II and he went over to France and he was a medic in the war. And he said it was terrible to see all these wounded people. But he said the main thing he did, I remember I asked him, he didn't talk about it very much, but I said, what was it like being a medic in World War II. And he said his main job was to inject people with shots. They'd get up in these long lines and he'd stand there and just one arm after the other, he'd stab them with a, with a shot. And he said, I don't think it was good for them what I was doing, you know? And then he said, just stay away from doctors. <laughs> he said, that our whole family said, just stay away from doctors. So we, we kind of had that growing up, but then he didn't become a doctor. So he became, he bought a newspaper when I was born basically, or the year before I was born, he bought a newspaper. And by the time I was in college, he had built up this little empire of about 13 newspapers, weekly newspapers outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And so I was raised in the world of newspapers and the media. And so from that, I learned don't trust the media. I mean, I know it in my bones because I would hear him talking to my mother, how, well, we can't run this news story because that advertiser wouldn't like it. You know, so I know, I, I, I can't believe people believe the media. I, mean, I can't believe people believe newspapers and radio and television because I know being raised in it, it's, it's all, it's just whatever they want. It's whatever the advertisers want us to think. It's nothing to do with reality, really. I mean, there's a few things that are true, but most of it, the general thing. So I had this advantage, a really great advantage of being raised. And my father was always saying, you know, he was always writing editorials. He was very opinionated. And he said, you know, you got to think for yourself. Don't do it. Don't believe what anybody else thinks. Think for yourself. So I was just raised with that mantra. And so I think for me, it was relatively easy um, but most people don't have that kind of upbringing. I think a lot of people are raised to just get along, try to please people, do what they say, fit in. And my, my whole parent, my parents were not like that. My mother was an artist, you know, so we were kind of extremely 
unusual in a sense. So I think that that isn't that's one factor. Um, another factor, I think, is just the basic um, uh, spirituality, I think, is another thing that can help people. Authentic spirituality, because we're raised in a society that's um, based on materialism. It's based on this idea that matter is all that exists and that we're just an object that was born and will die. Like cows and pigs and chickens, we sell them by the pound. They're just objects that are born and die. If you do that for 10,000 years, which is what I talk about in the World Peace Diet, you create an entire society that is materialistic, which basically means nothing exists except for matter. And we say consciousness comes out, it comes out of matter. You know, it's like backwards, everything's backwards. And so we're all wounded by that. And so I think that's the main problem is that we're all wounded and some people heal more easily than others. You know, some people get it more severely than others. And it's also, I think that the idea of ripening, you know, there's um, like we have a fruit, we have fruit trees. We've, we've planted 70 fruit tree, fruit and nut trees in our yard here. I just was out picking. Wait, where uh, are you in California? Northern California. Yeah, we have a tons of um, apricots right now and figs and um, we had and nectarines are coming and we just had uh, plums. Lots, I've been eating so many plums and nectarines <laughs> and uh, figs and apricots. But it's interesting, you know, they, they all ripen in their own time, right? Some will ripen really early and some ripen a little later. And it's like, I don't know, some, some fall off the tree, some are still hanging on, you know, you can't, you can't even get them to come off. It, it's like that. I mean, some, some ripen earlier. And that could go, it could, it could have to do, and I think it's an important thing to bring up, even though I don't usually talk about it, but I, I'm going to talk about it now, which is we got to get beyond this idea that this lifetime is our only lifetime. I mean, that, that is a complete, from my point of view, really damaging limitation. Like this idea that we're just this object that was born and will die. And that's all there is. And this life is it. If you want to create slaves, that's what you teach them, right? You want to have people that are totally enslaved. You say, this is the only life. You better just do what we say, get what you want, get the rewards of the system, consume a lot because everything's meaningless. We had a big bang and the universe just sort of randomly happened. And here we are randomly here in a meaningless universe. I mean, you want to have totally dumbed down, easily controlled people. You teach them that. And so, we have to realize, no, 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 no. I mean, we are infinite and eternal consciousness that was never born and will never die. And we're manifesting through this vehicle that can wave, but that's not us, right? This is not what we are. We are the being, the infinite eternal consciousness that makes that possible. So when we understand that, we begin, and that I think is why we need to meditate and connect with nature and have quiet time and really listen within to, to, connect with silence and with the source of our life. When we connect with the source of our life, it's not matter at all. It, may, it allows matter, it vivifies matter. Then we realize that this experience that I'm having is very temporary. It only lasts for a few short decades. You eat a lot of sprouts and everything. Maybe you get 11 decades or whatever, but it goes by very quickly. So we're just here for a short time. And so this, and then we'll have an experience in another realm. <clears throat> and so, so, but the thing is, we plant seeds and we sow, we reap, we reap what we sow. I mean, that's the fundamental, most important spiritual teaching there is. I mean, the golden rule, don't do to others what you don't want to have done to yourself. And whatever you sow, so shall you reap. I mean, they go together. That's the fundamental 
universal principles of all the wisdom traditions of this planet. And so if we, if we live in a society that disregards that, that pretends that doesn't exist, that pretends we can abuse and kill and torture and sexually abuse millions of animals and go scot-free, like and be healthy and happy and have peace, right? While we create misery and violence for them, we're going to that we're worthy of peace and freedom and health for ourselves. No, it's never going to happen. If we want to be healthy and free, then we should plant seeds of health and freedom in those in those who are vulnerable in our hands, which are the animals of this earth and other vulnerable people. We should try to help others and bless them. And if we don't do that, we're going to reap the rewards of that. So I think some people go vegan earlier because they've planted seeds in former lives, right? They've, they understood it already and they, um, and they live in that way. And so when they hear it, they go, yeah, yeah, no problem. You know, they just kind of remember, they remember other people maybe didn't have that, you know, that's just a, that's a, that's a sort of an ancient wisdom teaching from, more from Asia. <clears throat> but I, I know like when I, I lived in Asia, right? I was a Zen monk in Korea. I, I've spent a lot of time in Asia. And so, uh, I see it when I'm over there, this, this, the basic ori orientation in general, if, if people are, um, are vegetarian or vegan and you ask them why they usually say, well, it's because I'm a Buddhist. You know? <laughs> you know, they, if you see a vegan over here and say, why are you a vegan? They say, well, because I'm a Christian. You know, not really, not usually because of that. So, uh, it should be, I mean, you know, compassion and loving God's creation. I mean, all of that, it should go right together. Um, but really, it's the religious and the, and especially the spiritual truth within the religions that can help guide us toward uh, veganism. So I think people who have a resonance with that uh, will be more likely to go vegan. And people who have a general sense of kindness and caring for animals in general, I think uh, we all have that, but it's been repressed in various ways. So I think anybody can go vegan, really. I've seen it. I mean, I've seen people that look like they would never. I had a letter a while ago from a guy who was a professional hunter, you know, and he made money um, selling his articles and his photographs of killing animals to these hunting magazines. And he said, well, I, my wife bought your book and she started reading it to me out loud. And I just want to let you know, I'm grateful to you. I'm, I'm a vegan now, you know, <laughs> you never think that somebody like that would go vegan, but, but you know, there's anyone can do it. If you, if they, once they plant, once you plant the seed, and like you said, the best way to plant seeds in other people is to work on ourselves. If we, if we're living what veganism is, which is just love and kindness and caring for animals, we'll live that for human animals too. And we'll plant seeds of love and kindness and caring in them and be an example of health and joy and freedom and sustain. And kindness, and that's the way to make the positive change. You don't make positive change in other people by criticizing, blaming, shaming them. You know that's that's never going to work. Being right, you know, it doesn't take anything to be right. Forget being right. Just be loving and be understanding. People are wounded. Nobody's eating animal foods because of a of a choice. They're just doing it because they were forced into it. And now the whole society keeps. Um, reinforcing that. So we have to, uh, as, as people who are not engaged in that behavior, just be happy that we're not and be joyful and healthy and be conscious. You know, that's the whole point. Like be as conscious and aware as we can be, because the only reason people eat animal foods is because they're unconscious. They're not mindful. They don't know what they're doing. They're eating the flesh and secretions of tortured animals and they don't even realize it. They, it's just, so it's about bringing our awareness and consciousness, consciousness to a higher level and, and then just speaking to the best in people, right? See the highest in them, see the beauty in them. 
And when we address that, that's what responds. And then just plant seeds, just speak our own truth. Gandhi talked about satyagraha, uh, which means truth power, the power of truth. So if we just speak our own truth, don't try to blame them or tell them what they should do. Just say, God, I'm so glad I realized the only reason I was eating animal foods was because I was just following orders. Now I'm not doing it anymore. And it's fantastic. And then you just planted a seed because you spoke your truth. And they'll begin to think to themselves on some level, that that's the same with me too. <laughs> that's the only reason I'm eating animal food. Maybe, maybe I should try that. You know, don't try to change people. If, you, if I try to change them, they resist. and I can never get anywhere. Try to change myself. That's the one person I can change. And then other people magically start changing because we are naturally radiating something positive that will attract them. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. You know, I often, I'm so glad you spoke about different lifetimes because I often wonder if this is some type of type of purgatory um, because there's so much suffering and violence and just greed. And, and in your book, you know, you speak about, you write how we will always be violent towards, towards each other as long as we are violent towards animals. And um, so I'm wondering... What do you say to someone? What is your advice to someone that feels hopeless and overwhelmed at the immense suffering that we know is happening? You know, like ever since I know, now I know I can't unknow it and it really affects me. And so I guess this is a selfish, selfish question. What do you say to someone that feels overwhelmed and hopeless at the uh, animal cruelty that's going on right now? Yes, that's a very important question. And it's excruciating to open up to the level of violence that's happening every second, every moment. I mean, we're killing literally trillions of animals every year, billions of animals every day. I mean, you know, it's like when you when we think of all the suffering of fish, you know, aquatic animals and then all the imprisoned animals, cows, pigs, chickens, turkeys, ducks, geese, all these animals. Uh, it's an ocean of suffering that is inconceivably vast and it insinuates its tentacles into every part of our world. I mean, if you go to the oceans are getting strip mined, the rainforests are getting cut down, wildlife's getting destroyed, trees are being destroyed, aquifers are getting sucked dry, soil is being eroded and destroyed, hungry people are starving, animals are getting abused. There's a war against wildlife. I mean, it's really excruciating to contemplate. I mean, it's like and to be and to imagine being born like if I was to be born as a as a hen in a egg operation, or if I was to be born as a dairy cow, to be just sec serially sexually abused, have my baby stolen over and over again and be and drugged and then hung upside down by one leg and my throat slashed. I mean, this is what we're doing billions of times. It's it's excruciating. So we have to understand that it's very courageous, really, for anyone in our society, which is based on like pretending that doesn't exist. It's kind of like in The Wizard of Oz, you have this curtain up and don't look behind the curtain, right? Our whole society, we're taught not to look there because if we look there, it's so horrific. And our whole self-image of good, kind, loving, caring people who just love a good burger and cheese and so forth, it's gone. We see like, God, look what we're doing. And so it's easy for people to become misanthropic, you know, to say, I hate humans. I, you know, I just wish everybody would die and then the animals could live in peace, right? And just start to hate humans. But that's not a good way to go. That every, Any kind of negative emotion that we're feeling, especially towards other people, it boomerangs on us. You know, if, if, I, if I'm angry or disgusted with others, it, 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 it actually attacks my own 
body and my own happiness. So the good news is that there is an antidote to this. And I, that's one of the reasons I wrote The World Peace Diet. I, I talk about the idea that, that there's these three stages of veganism. Like the first stage is the beginning stage when we're just trying to figure everything out. And once we get through that stage, we get to the second stage, which I call the angry vegan stage, which is very often where we just let this all in and the suffering and we try to share this. We try to hope that people will change and they don't change. We get angry, we want them to change. And so um, that's that's the painful part. And it seems overwhelming because this has been going on for centuries and for, for millennia and in the mainstream media and the governments and the medical industry and corporations and the banks, I mean, they're all make, getting rich off the whole thing. So they don't want to change it. And the people themselves, they don't want to hear about it. So we have these two forces. We have the people don't want to change. They don't want to hear about it. And then we have the, the wealthy elite. They don't want to change it either. And so here we are, a few vegans trying to change all of that. It's like, it looks really difficult. Um, but the good news is that there's this third stage, which I refer to as deep veganism, which is when we understand the situation, we understand the history of this and the sociology, psychology and anthropology and you know, all of that. And we understand nutrition and we understand spirituality. We understand that, look, this is this was happening before we got here. We came. It's like the earth sent out an SOS saying, help, help. I'm getting mugged. You know, <laughs> the animals are help, help us, help us. So, OK, we come. We're here. We are. We came. We figured it out, and that's something to be happy about. You know, we can feel grateful for that. We we figured it out. Some some teachers we had probably like for me, I learned it from some hippies back in the seventies, the farm in Tennessee, and they they talked about the cruelty to animals, and they were all vegetarians. And so and then I studied Buddhism, and I studied other religions, even Christianity. I figured, wow, so so I can be grateful for all of that learning, and then um, and then uh, I can realize that. Uh, here I am. I can do something every day to help make a better world. I mean, that's something to be grateful for. So the two main things I think to, to help counteract the excruciating pain of knowing what's happening, number one, is the wonderful truth that I can turn that pain into action. I can actually do something meaningful every day, whatever it is, writing, cooking, speaking, making videos, making music, uh, doing cooking classes, whatever it is, sharing ideas, we can all do something to help be part of the solution. The other thing is every day I can connect with nature and connect with the beauty of nature and remember that even though there are billions of animals who are suffering, there's also billions of animals who are celebrating their lives right now. There's billions of animals celebrating their lives. I mean, you can look, I can look out the window and see the scrub jays flying around they're, you know, they're eating our nectarines. <laughs> That's all right, you know, but they're, you know, they're having a good time, you know, and so there's lots of animals celebrating and make sure to take time to notice that. Savor, you know, if we need to be able to savor the beauty and the celebration of life on this beautiful earth. I mean, look at the flowers and the trees and the sky and the mountains and the rivers and the oceans and this amazing celebration of life. It's happening in spite of human interference. There's still a lot of that happening. And the more we focus on the beauty and create beauty, that's why we create this, we created this space of love here where we live. It's not, it's only half an acre, but you know, we've got all these fruit trees. We have a lot of birds and we have insects. And it's kind of a place where, um, uh, where there's a celebration of life. And we can, we can do that where we are. And then from that, from that 
place, we can, it can radiate out into the world. So I think it's important to, again, remember that even though it looks daunting, it's, it, it's a workable situation. And human beings at our core have a sense of empathy. We don't like to cause suffering to others. We also have at our core a capacity for rational thinking and logic. And both of those are suppressed by our tribalism, right? We just want to get along and not, and not think about it and not care because we don't see it. But the deeper wisdom and the capacities that we have, I think ultimately will triumph. And so this is a great opportunity, this human life, which is brief, to be part of the solution. And that's a cause for gratitude. Wow, I love that. I took so many notes. Um, yeah, do something every day to be part of the solution. That is right. so empowering. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. And then focus on the beauty and create more of it, guys. Like that is what our purpose is here, helping other people and, you know, focusing on the positive, creating more positive. And uh, yeah, that makes me really feel hopeful. Um, I'm definitely going to watch this interview every time I feel um, hopeless. And so I have two more questions. Um, okay. So the, the second to last question is, do you have hope, Will, that it will end in our lifetime? How do you feel about that? I don't know. You know, that's something I, I really don't know. It's, it's a good, it's a great question. I, I, I kind of live in the possibility that we can transform. And I do have in the World Peace Diet, the sub chapter called the last days of eating animals. And the basic idea is that, well, these are the last days of eating animals one way or the other, either it'll sort of continue to ripen the violence and and we can kind of see that happening where we have more systems of violence and control that could pretty much wipe out humanity if we're not careful with nuclear weapons and all these other environmental devastation. Um, so that would mean the end of eating animals, right? It would, we wouldn't be doing it anymore. And, and the earth would then be free of human uh, violence. The other way, the positive way is that we wake up and we we transform uh, the situation. And um, my feeling is, in general, I'm a, I'm a tend to be an optimist, uh, I think, by nature. So I'm I have a I have a good feeling. I mean, I think. You know, we're going through a dark kind of a birthing tunnel right now. It's it's a lot of stress and a lot of apparent negativity. Uh, the shadow is getting bigger, but I think that's partly because the light is getting brighter. A lot of what was hidden for decades and centuries is coming into the light. We can, well, we see all these horrible things that people do to each other, pedophilia and, and trafficking and slavery and abuse. It's been going on a long time. And, I, and I'm thinking that it's really important more more now than ever uh, that we bring the vegan message of compassion for animals to the world because this gets to the root of the problem. If we fail to get to the root of the problem, if we just focus only on human freedom and human peace and human so forth and keep eating animal foods, we're not we're, we're, it's not it's not going to happen because we're 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 still committing all the violence towards animals and that boomerangs back. So I do think there are, people are getting light bulb moments where they're seeing that more and more and that when that change kicks in more deeply uh, we'll see a, a revolution a really like i say a benevolent revolution happening and i think it could happen within our lifetimes you know depending on how long we actually live but i but i think by you know 20 uh 
40, 20, 50, this, it's going to be a whole different world. And I think it's imperative that we refuse to comply with any uh, mandates that take away our freedom and that take away our sovereignty. Because what veganism is at its core is, is defending and protecting the sovereignty of individual beings, right? It's the individual cow and pig and chicken that we are caring about. We're not going to harm them. So it's that respect for individuals. And it's a, in the same way, it's respecting the individual human beings. So it's for us to really respect uh, and stand up for our rights of assembly, of religion, of freedom of speech, of bodily autonomy, and all these things, not allow those to be taken away, to refuse to go along with any uh, anything that's mandating taking away sovereignty of individual humans. Because that's it's the same basic forces that dominate and exploit animals that also dominate and exploit um, human beings. And it, it, they both work a lot through the pharmaceutical industry. I've realized in my research over 40 years in, in, in veganism, it's really not the meat, dairy, and egg industries that are the main enemy of animals. It's really the pharmaceutical industry, the pharmaceutical chemical industry. They, they really make the money on sick people and on polluting and destroying ecosystems. So they're used um, by the by the wealthy elite and the ruling class, the bankers, to kind of enslave animals and to enslave humans. So we have to be savvy. You know, we have to be really uh, conscious and aware and not gullible, you know, very aware that not to trust official narratives, especially the medical pharmaceutical narratives, and take responsibility for our health, for our relationships, for our spiritual uh, conscious awareness and remembering the truth of ourselves and of everyone that we're all divine, beautiful expressions of one life. There's a fundamental unity and interconnectedness of all life. And to exercise every day, get plenty of sunshine, fresh air, good food, clean water, use filters on your water. You know, you know I mean, really, you know, be conscious uh, of all these things and build uh, a healthy life. Because the, the final thing I'll say about that is that we can never change the outer world, right? I mean, in the sense that the outer world is what it is. What we can change is our response to it. How do we respond to living in a society where we're killing millions of animals? How do we respond to living in a society where there's a tiny elite that's basically controlling the narratives in the media and pushing people into slavery? How do we respond? You know, and realize, not from the point of view of the, of the narrow separate self, but from the point of view of a being who's incarnating for a few decades on this planet and we're here to wake up and learn and grow and contribute and be part of the solutions to the problems have that big picture and respond uh, as effectively and as appropriate as appropriately as we can in the situation not out of fear uh, but out of love because that's really our true nature is love uh, not just an emotional love but the love that is um arising in the awareness that there's not two of us. It's actually one life living through us. So we naturally have a sense of appreciation and loving kindness and compassion and um, joy really in seeing others and the, wishing them the best. You know, and the more we wish the best for others, um, the more we co-create a world of, of peace and harmony for everyone. Wow. Okay. I have a quick question. This is not the last question, but real quick, <laughs> sorry, real quick, Will, what kind of water do you drink? Like what kind of filter do you use? Well, we have two things. Uh, we have um, a water uh, structure 
structuring device that comes. So as the water comes onto the land here, it goes through this um, this thing <laughs> that swirls the water because when water goes through pipes, the water itself comes from a well, um, but it goes through a lot of pipes. So it so that swirls it because water when it goes through pipes, the all the electrons kind of line up and it gets kind of dead. It's it's hard. It's not very easy for our body to assimilate. And we found by running it through that um, structuring device, then it's more alive. So we don't need to drink as much. It, it kind of, it's more bioavailable to our bodies. And then also for our garden, we have a food forest. And so the, the plants don't need as much water. It's, it's more easily assimilated. And then once it gets into the house, we have a company, let me think it's, um, they make a really good filter and, um, um, I'm forgetting that. Oh, it's right here. I mean, it's, I'll get it out here. Thank you. Yeah, this is it. It's um, epic, epic filter. This is my, this is the spare one. But this, um, yeah, I mean, that's the one we use. There's a couple of companies that make a filter that take out literally everything. I mean, really do a good job. We don't have reverse osmosis. We, we just run it through that filter and we, we live in an RV or a little tiny van like three or four months of the year. And we have one in there, a pitcher that does has the same technology. Um, but it, really, it's good because it takes out not only the heavy metals and PCBs and dioxin, but also any um, pharmaceutical drug residues, which is now a big problem. People are taking so many pharmaceutical drugs, and then after they take them, they they go out and through their, you know, when they pee and poop and so forth, and it goes up, ends up in the water, and there's nothing can get rid of those. <laughs> Even the waste treatment plants can't get rid of them. So it's good to have a filter that will filter though all those residues i think nowadays yeah thank you so much thank you will so uh before i ask you the last question i would just like to tell everyone to please if you have not read the world peace diet this is one of the most important books that you will ever read i promise you it changed me and i was vegan for nine ten years before i read the book and it changed me so because I never thought about some things in this book, like I never thought about slaughterhouse workers before. I never had compassion for them. I didn't know they existed. I never thought of it. And so right. thank you again, Will, for, for what you do, for, for everything that you um, do every single day to make the world a better place. Is there any other resources um, or places you would like to direct people to find out more about you or your works? Thanks. You know, I think mainly uh, our website is a good place to start, worldpeacediet.com or my name, willtuttle.com. It goes to this pretty much the same place. And we have my wife, Madeline, has cooking videos or food preparation videos, and we have garden videos. I have videos of lectures and interviews and things, and also our, our tour schedule. We are still traveling, usually mainly in the, in the winter months. Uh, and doing lectures around the United States and some articles that I'm writing, new projects that we're working on, all that kind of stuff. And we have a mailing list too. So, Perfect. Yeah. I will leave the links below, guys. So, And I'll leave a link to his book as well and some different resources. And last question, real quick. So yeah. if I put headphones on everyone in the world and I translated your voice into every single language, okay? So every single person in the world what would you say? What is a message that you would like to send about anything at all that you think everyone needs to hear today? Right. 
You know, I think um, the main message I, I have in my heart nowadays is to question all the official narratives about food and about what's happening in the world in general, not only, the, not only in the media, but that are also in our own minds. And to take time every day to be quiet and listen within and connect with our own inner wisdom and let that guide us in our life. I think if we all do that, we will, we will definitely co-create a beautiful world of harmony and peace together. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that is amazing. And I'm definitely going to do my part every single day to be part of the solution. And I hope and I, I hope to inspire you guys watching to do the same. Um, I know this was an amazing interview. I'm sure you should are going to probably watch it again like me uh, to get everything from it and to take more notes. And um, thank you so much, Will, for being you and for being in this lifetime with us to show us what's possible and also for give us solutions, giving us solutions to, right. to, to things that we don't they don't teach us this stuff in school, you know. So exactly. So yeah. Well, thank you. And that's, a, that's an important point, you know, cause it's not just about critiquing a system that's violent and unhealthy and destructive. We have this wonderful solution of whole organic plant-based foods and, and connecting with our uh, connection with uh, nature and our inner wisdom with each other. And we can definitely transform this. We're not an evil, or stupid species that's just malevolent and destructive we we have just been deceived we've been deceived and the whole idea is to reconnect with the truth uh, and the freedom and the wisdom within ourselves and share that with others don't rely on the mainstream media rely on this kind of media and uh, we can definitely transform our world thank you so much will have a beautiful mm -hmm. day thank you guys thank for you. watching and i'll see you in the next video bye